everybody, and welcome to the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Newsom. Uh, the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast will be visiting episodes of the Andy Griffith Show and exploring how the character's behavior reflected poorly or positively on Christian character. You can find us at MayberryBibleStudyPodcast.com. Yeah, the Mayberry Bible Study podcast is based on the original Mayberry Bible Study, started by Joey Fan back in 1998, based somewhat on the book by Joey called The Way Back to Mayberry, Lessons from a Simpler Time. I invite you to check those out. You can head over to BarneyFife.com to get all kinds of lessons. This is our first episode of the podcast, and it is called High Noon in Mayberry. That's the episode of The Andy Griffith Show we'll be reviewing tonight. It is one of 16 public domain episodes of The Andy Griffith Show, and those will be the focus of the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast because we can listen to the audio of those episodes and not get in any kind of trouble. <laughs> now, I think it would be a bad example to set as a Bible study uh, Christian values and that kind of thing to be breaking copyright law as we do it. So we're going to be using the 16 public domain episodes of the Andy Griffith Show and going through those one a month. Hopefully we'll be one a month with a podcast. It'll be monthly and we'll visit each one. Tonight we're visiting High Noon in Mayberry. Now in this episode, Luke Comstock, he's an ex-convict, he returns to Mayberry to see Andy about the fact that Andy had shot Luke in the leg during a robbery years ago. It crippled Luke and sent him to prison. And Barney's convinced that Luke Comstock is seeking revenge, so he overacts just a little bit. Barney's paranoia and spreads to, to Gomer and Otis and Aunt B and Opie. Along with faith and courage, this episode also looks at repentance and forgiveness. And I hope you're going to enjoy it, and we'll talk about the lessons we can learn from that as Christians following the episode's audio. So here we are, High Noon in Mayberry, episode number 80 of The Andy Griffith Show. The Andy Griffith Show, starring Andy Griffith, with Ronnie Howard. Also starring Don Knotts. I'll take it, Billy Ray. Oh, no, you don't. The mayor must go through. Well, I'm standing right here. Hand it to me, Billy Ray. You're not an authorized receptacle. Well, he's an official of this county. Means nothing to me. I'm a fed. <laughs> Wait till you park that mail truck of yours in an illegal spot sometime. As long as I'm carrying rents of mail, I got to ride away over ambulance, police cars, fire engines, and heavier than aircraft. <laughs> A mail sack on some people goes right to their heads. <laughs> Occupant. 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 Anything for me? 
This is not your mailing address, Otis. <laughs> Andy Taylor. Barney Fife. Oh, Barney Fife. <laughs> Get this, Andy. Amalgamated Oxidation and Aluminum Corporation of America. Dear sir, we are pleased to announce that as a result of a banner year in both production and sales, your company has declared a dividend for all shareholders. Humpty <laughs> dog, is there a check in there? Yeah. Enclosed fine check for 27 cents. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Hey. I didn't know you was in the stock market. Oh, yeah. Well, I got an eighth of a share with Floyd and Wally and some of the boys. Good idea. Well, you know, got a plan for the future. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Something the matter? I don't know. Yeah. Luke Comstock. Luke Comstock. I know that name. Wait a minute. Ain't he the fellow you wounded in that gas station holdup? Yeah, huh? Shot him in the leg. Never did do too good. Last I, I heard, his leg went kind of gain. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. 1952, it's a long time ago. Been wanting to see you for a long time to set things straight between us. Well, look, he should have known better than to hold up that service station in the first place. And he shot at you first, remember? Then you could have killed him, but you didn't. What a nerve. Now he's coming here to gun you down for revenge. Gun me down? Well, it's all right here, Andy. Between the lines, all you got to do is look for it. Well, I don't know about that barn. Well, what do you think he's coming here for? Give you a medal for saving the gas station? Well, I don't rightly know why he's coming here. I reckon I'll just have to wait and see. You don't know why he's coming here? Well, maybe there's something about this I don't know. Maybe he's a long-lost relative or a lodge brother or something. Or maybe he just misses the fun you used to have shooting him in the leg. Come on, barn. Now, you listen to me and you listen good. Everything about that letter, the way it's written, the way it's folded, the way the envelope is sealed, everything about it says just one thing. R-E-V-E-N-G. Revenge? <laughs> you know what I mean. Now, look, Andy, I'm not going to take no for an answer. You've got to get out of town for a week. Go up the mountains and fish a little bit. Barney, I don't want to leave town. Now, like I say, let's just wait and see what Luke's coming here for. All right, all right, all right. I'm not gonna argue with you. But let me do this. Let me deputize some of the boys and give you some protection. No. Then wear a gun. No. <sighs> Hello, Sheriff's Office. Oh, yes, Miss Peterson. Oh. Well, I'll take care of it right away. Yes, ma'am. Bye. Miss Peterson's fluffy is on the roof again. This is a time for pussycats with a killer on the loose. Well, Fluffy's got kittens, and you know how you feel seeing your mother on the roof. Andy? 
Take this. Put it under your shirt. I won't need it, Barn. Fluffy and I have been friends for years. <laughs> okay, but if you get all shot up, I don't even want to hear about it. <laughs> all right, men. Andy might get back any minute, so let's get this over with. We've got to give him 24-hour protection. Raise your right hands and repeat after me. As a deputy of the county of Mayberry, I swear to uphold the... Otis, get your hand up. My time is up, Barney. Can't I go home now? Now, you listen to me, Otis. If anything should happen to Andy, we might get us a new sheriff. And if we get a new sheriff, he might not be so easy on you. You might not be able to wander in and out of here at your own convenience. Now, get your hand up. As a deputy of the Can county... Can I ask a question? Yeah. Are we gonna get guns? You are. Do we get to ride in the patrol car? You do. You're a fool, Otis. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> Quiet, Goomer. Sounds like somebody could get hurt. Isn't that right, Barney? Could be. That's what bothers me. I never cared much about injuries. They're very painful. <laughs> I don't want any part of this. Now, you listen to me, both of you. We're here to protect one of the all-time greats. And how you can even think, think, mind you, of backing down is beyond me and mine. I realize that some of you have family responsibilities. And if for that reason or any other, you feel this mission is too dangerous and you want to pull out, all right, you're free to walk right out that door. Otis and Gomer look at each other. Otis begins to walk through the courthouse door. Gomer follows him. Hold it! Get back here. Now you get them hands up. You're both gonna be deputies whether you like it or not. Now let's take it from the top. As a deputy of the county of Mayberry, I swear to uphold the laws and regulations therein set to by statute 426C, county rules and regulations put there by this date, city of Mayberry, county of Mayberry thereon. All right. Now this is gonna be a plain clothes operation. I got a brown suit, it's pretty plain. Yeah. <laughs> We gotta protect him without him knowing it. Oh, it'll never work, Barney. It'll never work. Will you listen to me? Will you just listen to me? Will you do me that favor and just listen to me? <laughs> I've got a dark gray one that might even be. Hold it! You're in attention. <laughs> I didn't know that. All right, now we gotta protect Andy without him knowing it. So just happen to be where he is. As far as he's concerned, everything is perfectly normal. But every minute of every day, one of us will be standing by to spring to his side. Now, any questions? Yeah. Suppose this guy shows up, pulls out a gun, bang, 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 lets us have it. What then? None of us is very good at this sort of thing, including you, Barney. You darn fool, Andy will be there every minute. He'll look out for us. <laughs> Barney's at the Taylor house playing dominoes with Andy. Gotcha. Oh. <clears throat> okay. That's enough for me. I'm bushed. I'm on the bed. Oh, uh, uh, one more game, Hines. We've played five games. It's nearly 11 o'clock. Oh, well, come on. Let's let's just play till 11. All right. Gomer's outside, sneaking around in the bushes. He's wearing his suit and his hat. What was that? 
suppose what? I didn't hear any whistle. Well, I gotta go, Ange. I thought you wanted to play another game. Well, it's, it's getting kind of late. That's what I said a minute ago. Oh, yeah? I guess I didn't hear you. Well, I'll see you tomorrow, Ange. Well, good night. Uh, uh, Barn. Yeah? Sure, I'm glad you calmed down on that Luke Comstock business. You didn't even bring it up once this evening. Oh, uh, well. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. <laughs> you say so. Barney's walking off the porch of the Taylor house down the sidewalk. Gomer's hidden behind a bush. <laughs> Darn fool jumping out at me like that. Are you ready to take over? I think so. I noticed, though, that this brown suit's got a little bitty white thread running through it. It might not be plain enough. So if you come off here in the light and I'll show you that. That suit's fine. Where's Otis? He's around John in the back. All right, now remember, if anything suspicious happens, you call me. Right. Hey, Barn. I ain't got no phone out here. Civilians just don't know how to think on your feet, do you? Otis is in the backyard hiding behind a tree and running between bushes. Andy's picking up his dominoes. sees a light in the front window go out. Andy's going upstairs and stops, hearing something. He comes back down the stairs and goes to look out a window. He sees Otis run across the driveway. Smiles. And heads back upstairs to get ready for bed. Otis is crawling in the bushes next to the house. Aunt Bee's laying in the bed and wakes up. Here's the movement. Gets out of bed and goes to the window. Who's there? Otis is trying to think of something to do. Aunt B takes a fern out of a big metal pot. Takes the pot to the edge of the window and drops it. So help me, Andy. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, I don't think I don't think it's a sweet idea, Barney, but having Gomer and Otis out there all night freezing is pretty ridiculous. Gomer? Otis? Out where? You know out where, outside of my house. My bodyguards. I don't need them, Barney, okay? I'm on the post office. Andy goes to the post office door. right. Barney jumps up and starts opening and closing the blinds. <laughs> Who are you signaling to? All right. You won't protect yourself, so we decided to protect you. What's so terrible about that? I appreciate that, Barn. I really do. But Comstock might not even show up. Did you ever think of that?
It's the truth, Andy. Otis seen him just as plain as day. A natty-looking fellow with a limp getting off the bus. Could have been anybody, Barn. A lot of fellas limp. Yeah, but get this. He was carrying a leather shotgun case. Oh, Andy. Yeah. And, and Gomer seen the shotgun case, too. And Alec, the bus driver, mentioned it. Now, I don't care what you do, but me and my boys are going to be on our toes. Now, Barney... I don't want to discuss it any further. Barney, you just... Take a walk! Heads to the door. Oh, Andy, I know Barney's excitable and he has a wild imagination, but this does sound serious. It certainly couldn't hurt to take some precaution. Ain't B. I don't know what more I can do besides just waiting. Hello? I'm speaking. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, that that'd be fine. Good night. Anything wrong? No, no. As uh, Luke Comstock, he's coming over. What did he say? Nothing. Just said he's coming over. Uh, Opie, why don't you give Aunt B a hand and get some of these dishes in the kitchen? Sure, Paul. you and Opie go over to Claire's for a little bit. Well, you are going to call Barney, aren't you? Oh, no, I'd rather not. Andy, maybe we ought to... Please, Aunt Dee. Now, I can handle this. Better take Opie's corduroy jacket this little nip out. Well, I guess you know best. Slowly walks over to the chair and sits down. Trouble that's coming. Oh, what makes you think there's trouble coming? You're sending me and Aunt B over to Miss Clara's. Oh, well, I've just got some business to talk over. Are you scared, Pa? Well, I'm a little nervous. Is this your first time? No. I've been scared a whole lot of times. Really, Pa? Gosh, you sure couldn't tell it. Yeah. Come on, Opie. Andy gets up from the dining room table, walks around to the couch. Picks up the paper. Barney in the courthouse. Right, Aunt B. 
Okay, I got you. Now, Barney, don't do anything rash, but perhaps you could keep an eye on him? You just leave it to Big Barn, Aunt B. I'll handle it. You just stay calm. Everything's gonna be fine and dandy. Andy puts down his paper and gets up off the couch. He has a concerned expression on his face. He looks to the cut, the hutch in the dining room, reaches to the top and takes out his revolver. He opens the drawer, takes out the ammunition and begins to load the revolver. Thinks better of it, puts ammunition back. Barney, Otis, and Gomer in the courthouse. Barney handing out weapons. You get you real good, Otis. Don't you ever point a gun at nobody. Barney, let me out of this. You and Gomer go. Now, Otis, two's company, three's a crowd. Otis, if you back out of this now, I'm going to spread it all over town that you're a yellow-bellied chicken. Now, do you want to be known as a yellow-bellied chicken? Oh, I don't mind. <laughs> mister. Now, put that down. <laughs> Let's shape up. Let's get with this. This is important. All right, I'll go, but I don't want to carry a gun. All right, let's get moving. Let's make this look like a posse. Come on. Hi. <laughs> Wait a minute. I got an idea. What? I'll pick up some sandwiches and meet you there later. <laughs> Andy's sitting on the couch, reading the paper. He hears something outside. Sounds like somebody walking up. And he gets up from the couch and begins walking toward the door. Sheriff. Luke. Won't you come in? My business won't take too long, Sheriff. Barney, Otis, and Gomer arrive in the driveway of the Taylor home in the squad car. They're trying to be quiet as Barney opens the door. Gomer in the back opens his door. Otis slides out the front. Barney quietly closes the front door of the car. <laughs> Gomer slams his. After that shooting scrape we had, Sheriff, I laid on my back in the hospital for six whole months. Well, that must have been pretty rough on you. I had a chance to review my whole life. From when I was a boy to where I was, lying with my leg game for life. All I could think of was what a waste. So I made up my mind then and there. I was going to make something of myself, Sheriff. I began reading and studying while I was still in the hospital. I developed quite an interest in mathematics and electricity. Well, one thing led to another. 
Today I own a chain of television repair stores in Cleveland. I'm leading a good life. Well, I, uh, I certainly am glad to hear that, Luke. If you hadn't laid me up, who knows where I'd be today. You come all the way down here to tell me that? That and to bring you a little gift of appreciation. I know how you people down here love to hunt, so I brought you this shotgun. For Pete's sake, Andy, don't just stand there, rush him. Well, that'll bring down them northern honkers. They got a wing spread that big. Andy Too late, it's got to drop on them. What do we do? I know, the lights. Barney runs to the fuse box and pulls a fuse. The lights go out Come inside on, the back door. Oh, must be a fuse, Luke. Come on out here. Andy and Luke go out on the front porch to the house. You hear a commotion inside. Andy fixes the fuse. Go right back to the door and go inside. This is our Mayberry knot tying class. It's here every Tuesday. It's a nice one you got there, boys. All right, all right. How was I supposed to know? I can't read somebody's mind, for gosh sakes. Comstock's an ex-con. I took it from there. Why don't we just forget about it? It's forgotten, Barn. We talked about it all last night and all this morning. So far as I'm concerned, the matter's closed. No harm done. Good, good. Let's just drop it. Time for that. A man's been trained for law work all his life. His instincts take over. Yeah. It's forgotten. <laughs> Andy. Yeah, well, Listen, I'm sure sorry about last night. I didn't want to be a deputy anyway. Uh, it's okay, Otis. Well, it's all Barney's fault. He's oh, will you hold it? That subject's been closed. We agreed not to talk about it anymore. Oh, I see. Tick a lock. Tick a lock. Tick a lock. <laughs> well, it was all his fault. Oh, wait, shut up, Otis. <laughs> well, look, will you just shut up? <laughs> Barney, the fact. Tick a lock, Andy. <laughs> folks i hope you enjoyed that that was high noon in mayberry let me fade that on down i definitely hope you enjoyed it that was a that was a lot of fun and now we're going to uh get into the actual bible study portion of the podcast so i hope you I hope you did enjoy that and uh, uh you know i had to go in and commentate on some of the uh action that was going along because there's uh, segments where there's absolutely no talking. So hopefully that wasn't too distracting to anybody. It was the only way I could figure out how to be able to let you know what was going on and to remind people that maybe you haven't seen the episode in a long time what was going on. So I encourage you, if you haven't seen that episode, you could watch it and then come back and stop the podcast now and come back and pick back up with us. So let me, uh, I want to say a real quick prayer and then we'll get started. 
Father, I just want to uh, thank you for this chance just to gather with some uh, friends here that are either here with me right now live or the ones that are listening to this later, Lord. And I just ask that you just take this episode, uh, The Andy Griffith Show, and as we talk about the morals and the character values that we saw, Lord, I just ask that you just uh, ingrain those in us so that when we see this episode again and when we hear it again, that we will bring to mind the things we're about to talk about and that, that the way we should act as Christian people. And uh, we just want to ask that you just be with us and guide this conversation as we go through it. Amen. All right, folks. I had provided uh, earlier the uh, lesson. So if you haven't seen it, if you go to uh, Mayberry Bible Study Podcast.com, you can download the lesson. It's uh, High Noon in Mayberry. It'll be available there. Here's, here's our first several points that we're going to go through. The uh, first up, we're going to talk about worry or faith. Well, some of the Bible verses that are related to that are Psalms 23.4, and I'll read it for you. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the, uh, another verse we had for this as well was Matthew 6.27, which says, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now, uh, I guess the real question is, you know, what do you worry about? These folks here in Mayberry, they were worried about Luke Comstock coming. uh, But we all, as Christians, as just human beings, I think we worry about things that we really don't have any control over even. Now, you know, I worry about things that I really don't have any control about. Right now, at the time we're recording this podcast, there's all kinds of uncertainty about the economy, uh, things that are happening like that. There's all kinds of things that we worry about as just humans. And I think a lot of times we we worry so much that it impacts our lives in a way that's very negative, And we really have no control over it. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have responsibilities that God given us to try to do the right things. But I believe there's no... Uh, there's no way that the worrying, worrowing, worrying, can uh, actually add any time to our life. You know that's what it says here. Can any one of you, by worrowing, golly, I can't say worrying. There we go, worrying. Can you add a single hour to your life? And the answer is no, you can't. I think we we have a big advantage about that because we can depend on Christ to give us strength through these things. There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, about the future we have pains people have back problems they have knee problems leg problems shoulder problems headaches whatever it might be there's grief there's crimes i just wonder do any of you worry about things what do y'all worry about i worry about um i mean i know that god has taken me in a new direction for ministry and i it sounds crazy but i worry that i won't have enough faith Mm mm-hmm and uh, and yet, it seems to this Bible study seems to put worry and faith as opposites. So, how do you worry about not having enough faith? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably a good sign. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a good sign you're trying to have more faith. But I think that's a truth statement because and how do you not worry? I think that's part of it because it, you think if you have enough faith, you wouldn't worry. So you start worrying that I don't have enough faith because I still worry, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> so, <a bit> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
So, uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Because, I mean, there's no way we as human beings can overcome a lot of these things. Uh, we, we, the worrying is going to happen. And, but yet we have to have faith that God's going to take care of us. And if we have that faith, you won't worry uh, as much. You know, that's going to go away. So I, I, because do you not have enough faith if you do worry? Is that what that means? I hadn't thought about it like that. It says, uh, you know, in uh, Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians, I mean, First Chronicles uh, 22, 13, it says, then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. When do you turn your worries over to God? Uh, when do you have the faith to be able to do that? I think that's, uh, that's a question. And, and in my mind, worry and fear are very much similar. Because you tend to worry about things you are fearful of. You don't know what the future is going to hold, so you worry about it. Can you turn over those worries to God and let them go? I think if if we do as Christians, I think if we're trying to do the things that God's told us to do, that God in the Bible, that it's very specific. We don't know everything God wants us to do, but there are things biblically that we just know. We know that uh, we know that we're supposed to follow Christ's teachings. We know that, but yet we don't always do that. I think if we were, if we were more, if we were more focused on those things that we can control, those things that we can actually, we we often you know I, I do this. I say we. I say I do this. We talk about uh, Christ being Lord. He's our Lord. Is he really? Is the real question. Is he really Lord of your life or is he not? You say Lord. Is that just a title or do you really mean what that says, which is I give everything to you. You are the Lord. You are my master. You are, I depend on you completely. Do we really do that? Because, you know, I think about it as little kids. As little kids, you've got parents that take care of you. I don't remember as a little kid having a whole lot of worries. Uh, you know, I didn't worry about where the next meal was coming from. I didn't really worry about uh, pretty much anything. I didn't worry about I was going to have a bed to sleep in that night. I didn't worry about those things. Now, my parents, they may have, but I didn't. And isn't God, he's our parent. And if we were like little children and came to him, wouldn't our worries be removed from us um, and if we had that faith that you were talking about if we could have that I think you know it's all easy to say this is all easy to say always I believe it's harder to do and I think that's that's one of the challenges I've had recently especially is taking all the things you know I'm, I'm 45 heading to 46 years old I've been a Christian for a long time I know a lot of the things that God's told us to do but do I really practice those things and do I put them into practice I should say do I really turn things over to God and let him take care of me I don't know so anybody have any thoughts on any of that I think um, one of the scriptures that the Bible study uses is Hebrews thirteen six, and for me that is a um, it's a statement the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid it's to me a lot of times we- start to worry over something, 
I have to stop myself and say, I choose not to worry about this. I choose. It's it's like a, a conscious decision not to worry about something. But at the same time, I feel like I can't make that choice. I can't have that choice unless I have faith that God will be on the other end to take it. Right. It, you have to have a... We get the choice to choose, you know, the the opportunity to choose to worry or not, but if we don't have faith in that other, in God, to take over our worries, then we're never going to make the choice to get away. Right. Yeah, I, and I agree completely. You know, the uh, the Hebrews uh, 13, 6, as you said, it says, uh, So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Again, it goes into knowing what the Bible says and actually being able to take that and take hold of it and turn that over to God. I think that's where I always have a hard time doing. And and, and it goes back to faith. I, I agree 100% that ha- having faith that God's really going to do all those things because are you worthy of him taking his time to do that? No, we're not. But he said he will, I think. And that's what we... It's a daily thing you have to do, I believe, to take hold of those promises that he's given us and actually be able to live them and make them yours. And so you can turn those fears over because uh, and that's a fear. And also Joshua one um, nine says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God will be with you wherever you go. Do we really believe that and do we live that is the key. And, I, and and honestly, it's just like any other walk as a Christian, I believe. You, you, you do really good some days and do less good other days and things wear on you over time. And you, you maybe start trying to do it on your own. You start trying to, uh, you know... We've been taught to try to be self-reliant. We want to do, you know, take care of ourselves, uh, work hard, all those things. And I think those are good things to try to do. But do we take hold of this, these kind of verses uh, saying, uh, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And like, and the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Our pastor was talking today about a fellow, a, a pastor that had been held up by a gunman, and the gunman was holding a gun on him, and the the preacher looked at him and said, you can't kill me. And the guy's like, what are you talking about, you can't kill me? He said, I died long ago when I gave my life to Christ, and now, you know, you, you may kill this body, but I will live on. I'm alive. You know, I'll, you can't kill me. And I think if we really took hold of that and really understood that, you know, where we are as Christians, you know, not that we want to get shot or anything like that, but that that we have that power that Christ has given us uh, over death. If something happens to us here, we're with him. So the little things that we worry about so much here in the eternity scheme of things, how much impact does that really have on the world or on us even? You remember when you were growing up and your 
asking the first girl out on a date or going out on the date with the first guy you went on or something, the nervousness and the fear and the all those things that seem so important at the time, like your world could end any second. And yet now I'm older, at least. And you look back and go, you know, that meant that was nothing. But yet we, we focus on those so much. So in that case, uh, you know, one of the questions we had here is when is fear bad? I think fear is bad when it keeps us from, uh, well, keeps us from sharing our faith with somebody. That's that's a good one. That's easy. That's a good Christian answer. <laughs> you know, because aren't we afraid to do that? Because, oh, they're not going to like us. They're not going to. They're going to think we're a holy roller. They're going to whatever. You know, we go through all these things in our head. And how often it is that if you actually just start talking to them a little bit, they're all, oh, yeah, well, yeah. And they talk to you, and it's not as bad as we build it up in our mind. I think you've got two edges there of when can fear be a good thing? Fear can be a good thing if it's fear of God, fear of the Lord, fear of doing things you shouldn't do. But fear can be bad in the same way. It keeps us from doing good things. So does being afraid mean you're a coward? No. It doesn't mean you're a coward. It just means you're a human. Overcoming that fear is where courage comes from. As we've already talked about in Hebrews, the Lord's my helper. I'll not be afraid. You know, overcoming that fear, that's that's when uh, you're doing what the, what the Lord wants you to to do there because uh, in hebrews uh, 3 6 you know it says but christ is faithful as the son over god's house and we are his house if indeed we hold firm to our confidence and the hope in which we glory so if we hold firm to the to the fact that christ is with us you know that's that's when we can have some courage to go out and talk to somebody and realize what god's done for us and we're not we're not talking to somebody uh, sharing your faith. As I said, can be fearful, but is that not uh, is that not something we should do if we love people or care about them? Yeah, it is. But that doesn't mean you don't have fear. It's trying to overcome that fear by realizing what Christ has done for us and holding firm to that confidence and the hope that we have through Him. I think. So anybody have anything on uh, fear and courage? Anybody have anything on that that they like to share? Oh, this is Don from Georgia. I think, you know, a lot of times that uh, we forget whose we are, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, if we call ourselves Christians, we're followers of Christ. And uh, if we have that relationship that he wants us to have with him, uh, then that uh, that fear and, and worry uh, can put itself in the right place. And, and we learn to concentrate on, on who he is and who he is with us. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I struggle with uh, at times is, uh, is is worrying about what, what others think. Uh, you know, am, am I living up to, uh, to what my full potential is? Well, you know, in reality, the only thing I need to concern myself with is am I being the best Christian that I can be? And uh, the only way I can do that is getting to know Christ better and better in my personal life. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and over time, as we continue to trust him, uh, you grow. And that's what, that's what I think, you know, through doing those exact things that you're talking about, where you trust God and you do the things he's told you to do, 
we we grow in our experiencing of him we experience god in that way by having uh you know we trust what he told us we follow him and we realize hey you know that fear we had about being a christian about going out there on a limb and saying something to somebody that you're afraid you know some friend at work or some friend that you know because they're always the hardest i believe the people that you are friends with you're which is kind of sad. Those are the ones we should most want to make sure that we've uh, shared our faith with. But I believe those are sometimes the hardest because we're afraid we'll lose them as our friend by doing that. But but when we go out on faith and do those things and follow what Christ told us and things work out better, we experience him through that. Because if you're being led to speak with somebody, you know, Christ is, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit's probably already working in that person. And we should be like Christ and follow like that. Of course, you know, we we can only strive to be like Christ. We're not going to be there. But if we're not even trying, you're never going to get there. You know, I teach, I teach, you know, I coach kids on things. And you, you always say, if you don't try, you'll never get better. If you just stand there, if you're not, if you're not working, uh, trying to be better, you'll never make it. And I think as Christians, we're the same way. If we're not out there remembering who we, who we are, that we have all these promises of God to stand on, then, you know, we, we're never going to make progress towards being that Christian that, that he wants to grow us into. And it's a long race. We know that Paul talked about that finishing the race. Well, uh, but you got to at least start the race. And, and a lot of times fear, I think Satan uses fear. He uses worry. He uses all these things to keep us from even starting down that race to get going. You know, we, we started the starting line and then walk, you know, then we just kind of sit down on the bench along the way and never go. And I think we do forget whose we are. All right, well, let's move along. Now, the next, uh, we're talking about revenge or, or ravine, as Barney spelled it, revenge or forgiveness. And so let's read, uh, I'm going to read Romans 12, 17 through 19. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. When you're talking about revenge or forgiveness, you know, as Christians, which should we choose? Well, that's a pretty easy answer. Uh, You know, obviously we should try to get give forgiveness. You know, we don't want to go out and try to be hunting revenge for people. Uh, but, you know, that's awful easy to say and hard to do. It's hard to to let that go and to not want to go out there and, uh, you know, that guy did me wrong and mm, I need to get him back or at least I'm not going to like that guy anymore for him doing that. You know, do you get mad or do you get even? You know, that's kind of a rhetorical question just to think about. I, I won't make anybody that's uh, live here with me <laughs> answer that question. But as you listen to this podcast, think about that. Think about it in your mind. Do you get mad or do you get even? Uh, I'll tell a story on myself, and hopefully the guy's not listening to the show. But uh, there was a guy years ago. I was in high school, so it was a long time ago, playing basketball. I mean, this is an older guy, probably, well, he's younger than I am now then. But uh, he was an older guy, older than me, probably in his 30s. I was 18, 17, 18. And every time I went in to try to do a layup, the guy was fouling me. And just throwing me to the ground and all this stuff. And for years, 
I couldn't stand that guy. Now, you know, I, I didn't I didn't want to be around him. Uh, every time I saw him, I thought of that. Who was that hurting? It wasn't hurting him. He didn't even know about it. It was me. So when, when God tells us to forgive and not hold grudges, uh, not try to get revenge, it's really for me, not for the other person that I need to do that because whose heart was hardening and whose heart was wrong all that time when I was upset with the other guy like I said he didn't even know about it but for years every time I saw him the first thing I thought was oh yeah he threw fouled me and it was about a basketball playing basketball just like a pickup game I think as Christians we got to keep that in mind we can't let revenge anger uh, we can't let that live in our hearts because that poisons us from everything so and uh, let's see we go to uh, Matthew 5 38 through 41 says this is he says uh, you have heard that it was said eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth but I tell you do not resist an evil person if anyone slaps you on the right cheek turn to them the other cheek also and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, I think that's what he's talking, you know, he's talking about that. Don't hold resentment in your heart. You know, do, do you turn the other cheek? Do you let those things go? And if you don't, what does it do to you? Uh, let, let me go ahead and read this other verse and then I'll ask you. So be thinking uh, if you'd like to say anything about it. And 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. If we really love each other, if we look at what Christ did for us, he was on that cross, he was, he was scourged before he got on there, he was just all these things that were done to him. You know, I think uh, the Passion of the Christ, the movie, watching the beating, the the pain that Christ went through, and the love he must have had to endure all that, or that he did have to endure that, and that was just a movie. What was it really like? I cannot imagine. To see that and to watch, watch what he went through, and then we get upset because the guy's fouling me in a basketball game, and I hold anger in my heart for that. That's what it's talking about here. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Fear, revenge, in this case, punishment, revenge, that, that's not coming from loving somebody. Well, if Christ loved us enough to go through what he went through, <laughs> come on. Am I not supposed to forgive my brother that fouls me in the basketball game or cuts me off driving down the road and I'm yelling at the car? You know, I won't have those little fish sticker on the back of my car because I'm afraid if I ever behave badly, it would be a bad witness to everybody. <laughs> but do you turn the other cheek or what do you feel about that? Well, you know, it's um, very hard to not sit and rationalize why we should be able to not like someone because they hurt us or hurt someone we love. And yet I realize God doesn't need our rationalization about 
us thinking how we're in the right and they're in the wrong. All he asks us to do is to to forgive them, to love them. I know that, in the, you know, sometimes I have to, first of all, pray and ask God to give me the desire yes. to forgive and then pray and ask God to help me forgive because it's sometimes it's, the anger can be so consuming, it just takes over your whole life, and you you have to start from the very beginning and just ask God for the desire. I, I agree 100%. It's just like worry, just like fear, anger. All those things, I think, are a daily, a daily decision we make uh, about those. Well, let, let's go into some of these discussions here. You know, Andy was concerned uh, when he read luke comstock's letter but barney he immediately chose to believe that luke had revenge on his mind so why would barney jump to that conclusion well you know i think we can we can safely say because that's the way human beings are our first thought is for the worst the worst thing that could possibly be for some reason i think we're wired that way so barney jumped to the conclusion that luke was coming here to shoot andy or to take care of andy why did Andy refuse Barney's advice? I think Andy was being more of a, a Christian example in this case of trying not to jump to conclusions. You know, I don't know why he's coming here. I don't know why, and I'm not going to think the worst of him, you know, just because that could be the worst. Andy was doing a good job trying not to do what we, I think, as as humans want to do or will do is become think of the worst thing that could possibly happen. So Barney jumped to the conclusion immediately that he's going to get coming to shoot Andy or to take revenge out on Andy. But then later in the episode, Andy started to load his revolver, but then he put it away instead. So now that is an example of worry, fear, and then Andy what I think we should do as Christians gathered himself, thought a little better of what he was doing and put away the gun. Do we do that? Do we catch ourselves? Cause Andy was starting to buy into this and we do this as well. It's what uh, you were just saying earlier. You got to pray about it. You got to pray for God's guidance and wisdom and faith and power and that armor of God that we can put on, you've got to pray for that to be able to turn that over, to let that go and go, no, I'm not going to behave this way. I'm not going to do this. And going on in here, we had, uh, you know, Otis, you know, Otis was afraid. He didn't want to have anything to do with that. You know, were his fears justified? Well, he, he said, you know, it might, somebody might get hurt, you know, and, and Barney's like, well, yeah, maybe. And he's, he said, I'm against that. You know, I don't want to get hurt. It's painful. You know, so he didn't want to do that. Uh, was Barney just as scared as Otis? Yeah, he was scared. Because remember at that point when uh, Barney said, uh, you know, what do you, you know, Andy will be there right there with us if something goes wrong. <laughs> Isn't that where we are? Otis was afraid. Barney was afraid. And Gomer, they were all afraid. But they were going to do what they wanted to do to protect their friend Andy. Now, and Andy was the one that's going to end up protecting them if anything bad went wrong. Well, isn't Jesus the one that's going to protect us? 
if we do the things that he's been telling us to do, I'm not comparing Andy Taylor to Jesus here. I'm just saying he was acting in this particular instance more Christ-like than the other characters. If we do the things he wants us to do, those worries, those fears, you know, uh, speaking to somebody about their salvation or about their relationship with Christ, those kind of things that we're so fearful of, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, Jesus is going to be right there with you. In this case, they were saying Andy's going to be right there with us. That's where we need to be as Christians. So when you watch this episode next time and that happens, think of that. Just try to keep that in your mind that that's the way I should behave with Christ. I should be going out there and doing these things and trying to help people. If anything goes wrong, Jesus is right there with me. That's where we need to be. We've already discussed, too, uh, the differences and similarities between worry, anxiety, fear, panic, phobias. I'm very afraid of spiders, by the way. (laughs) I have a problem with that. Uh, But, you know, some of these things, and that's an irrational fear that I shouldn't have. And, you know, that's one of those things, honestly, you know, it's always bothered me that I can't get over this irrational fear. But do we have irrational fears as well uh, where it's related to our Christian walk? I think sometimes we do. Let's see, uh, going on in here, Aunt B, she surely understood that there were dangers involved with Andy's occupation. You know, even if it was Mayberry, she knew there could be something go wrong. But uh, why did she begin to worry this time? You know, when she started worrying because everybody else was worrying, she could also see the worry on Andy's face. At least that's what I thought. And then why did Opie become concerned? Because he saw Aunt B starting to get worried. He saw Andy was a little bit worried. You know, he saw that. So that affected him. As Christians, as we're out there and we get worried about these things, what do our kids see? What do other people around us that are Christians see? Do they see us as worried Christians, a fearful Christian, a somebody that's afraid to get out there, they'll see that just like Aunt B and Opie saw Andy's reactions. You know, we're, we're going to impact not only ourselves by not going out there and doing the things we need to do, but we're also going to impact those around us because they, they, they will see that and not go and do the things they want to do. That just encourages the fear level, I guess. But if they see you going out bold, and doing things, and you can overcome this fear, and you can have the faith to be able to do that. I'm not saying I do it either. I'm speaking, I'm I'm talking to the choir, but I think if you can do that, it definitely will encourage others. Was it good for Opie to know uh, if his father had ever been frightened? How can you be fearful and courageous at the same time? I think that was good. I mean, I, I think a lot of times we try to act like to our kids and to other people that there is no fear. Or there is nothing there that you could be worried about. And I think it's actually helpful if we can be honest with them and they can see uh, what that we deal with that so that when they are fearful and that, they, they will have an example of, oh, well, these people around me have been fearful about something before, but they overcame it. And it's not like they were never fearful at all. You see people get up and preach. You get see people get up and teach. And you think, oh, they look how good they are at getting up and talking in front of people or look how good they are at uh, preaching the word or teaching a Sunday school class or whatever it might be. And you get a false impression that they, that it was nothing. It was so easy for them, but you know, more than likely at some point they were a little afraid as well. And, but they overcame it. And I think it it does good for us to know what's going on there in their lives. Last part here is about Luke Comstock. You know, he had made a mistake in his life and he had a paid a price for it. 
Do you think uh, at the time of his life on the show here that he was fearful or courageous when he came back to Mayberry? I think by mysterious is, is probably one of the best words I'd use to describe it. Uh, I mean, I, I understand probably where, where he's coming from. Uh, it took a lot for him to to, uh, to come back and, and say, hey, man, you turned my life around. Uh, thank you for what you did. He probably could have said that over the phone, say, hey, I just want to come back to you to thank you, but that's not what happened. You know, the, you mentioned earlier about the, you know, the reactions of uh, all the other folks in there. One thing that, that uh, you know, I, I wrestle with from time to time is, is this thing, is it worry or concern? Uh, you know, and, and do I take these these issues seriously? You know, what what you saw in the episode obviously was was Barney uh, being you know worried and scared and everything else about what's going to happen. To Andy want to make sure that he protects him. However, you've got uh, you know Andy that, that takes a look at the situation and says, okay, this is a serious situation. I've got to understand exactly how how I could, what I can do to play this thing out the right way. You know, you don't want to be like Gomer who says, hey, this is going to be fun. That's, that's a totally different mindset. Uh, one of, again, you, you come back to uh, you've got to, to know, uh, you, you've got to be in control of the situation as best you can be. Uh, and having that faith that we have, knowing that he's never going to put us into a situation where we can't get out of it through him. He's going to be with us through that entire thing. We have to have that confidence. And uh, you know, I think that's what Andy finally realized when he put the gun back in the on the on top of the shelf there. I think uh, I think that is true completely. Okay, so uh, Luke came back to Mayberry. So why did he come back? He came back to thank Andy. I agree with you that uh, you know he could have just called in. He didn't have to. <laughs> he didn't have to come there and cause this worry. But you know, I think he was being courageous because he did come to town and faced a person who he had. Yeah, you know, I guess he didn't really, he wasn't robbing from Andy, but he had done wrong around Andy. And I think it takes a lot of courage to go back to somebody that you've wronged in some way and to ask forgiveness or to thank them for their correction of you over the years that they corrected you in some way. Because, you know, a lot of times you, when you're corrected as a Christian, even when you're corrected by somebody, you're probably not going to enjoy that very much. It's not something you go, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for pointing out how bad I was behaving, at least not at the time. But I think when you do realize and God brings you back into his His good fellowship, his fellowship there, going back and thanking that person for pointing out your error and thanking them for helping you straighten that out, I think that is courageous to some extent to do that. Because you don't have to. Yeah, and Colin says, you know, his adversity made him stronger. And it did. It made Luke stronger as he went as he went through what he was going through there. That he, He'd come out on the other end. He reflected on his life and came out on the other end a better person. So and that, that goes into the last question is, why do you suppose that Luke didn't just call Andy and thank him or mail a shotgun to Andy? And I, I think it was because he wanted to be able to go and, and tell Andy, that, you know, you really made a difference in my life. And I think that's important, too. But I think that is something you'd be fearful to do, to go back to somebody that you feel like you had done wrong or that you'd had a conflict with and deal with that conflict. Because we don't like conflict in general. And trying to go back in there and thank somebody or accept that what had happened, I think that's uh, that takes a lot of courage to do. 
Has anybody got any comments that they'd like to share with us about the Bible study here that we've done? All right. If we don't, we're going to have our final thought, which our final thought is uh, when Opie was saying, he said this, he said, are you scared, Pa? And he said, well, I'm a little nervous. And Opie went on to say, he said, is this your first time? No, I've been scared a whole lot of times. And Opie then went to say, really, Pa? Gosh, you sure couldn't tell it. Colin had said earlier uh, in the chat room, he had said, Opie saw uh, that his dad is a human. You know, and I think it's very important for that, that we see uh, that in our fellow Christians as well. You know, a lot of times we take our pastors, we take our uh, worship leaders, we take our Sunday school teachers, and we put them up on a pedestal and act like they're not just like we are. And now, granted, God's given them different gifts and God's given them uh, different responsibilities to those around them. But, you know, they struggle with the same things we do. They're fearful about something. They're, they worry about things. They have to deal with issues that we don't have to deal with. You know, because I believe, you know, Satan really attacks those around us that are trying to do the things that, uh, that God wants us to do. Satan tries harder to stop you. I think it's good to know that those people, they're humans too. They're just like we are. They're struggling, and we need to be in prayer for them as we go through our lives and be in prayer for ourselves that we'll have the faith to be able to overcome uh, these things that we're seeing here. So, hey, folks, I want to thank you all, the folks that have joined me here live and left uh, spoken their comments here. Uh, Colin said here we need to forgive our Christian friends when they mess up, uh, like Luke forgave Andy. That is a great point, Colin. Thanks for for typing that in there. And uh, we had another one here. It says, fear in Second Timoth- Timothy 1.7. Fear uh, refers to being timid. So, yes, being timid, being fearful as we go forward. So I want to thank those that were calling in and those also in the chat room that have been conversing. And I want to thank you that have listened online here. I want to thank you. Uh, and hope that you'll come back with us and visit us here at the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast. It's uh, it's definitely something I hope you're going to enjoy, and we'll be refining it and making it better, and we'll be having a lot of fun, I hope, along the way as well, because we are here in Mayberry, and definitely uh, I want you to have fun and be able to invite people to listen and enjoy themselves as they go forward. So, folks, I want to thank you for uh, being a part of the show. And I'm going to play our closing music. I want to invite you to join us. You can sign up for our mailing list. If you go to MaybellyBibleStudyPodcast.com, there'll be links there about the uh, mailing list, and I'll send out information about how uh, the next live show is going to be so that you can be a part of it and other information like that. So I definitely want you to join us and be a part of us here while we're going through it. And thank you all for coming. So here's our closing music. And we'll see you guys next time on the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast.